Shani Chav Ches Kislev Dalad Chanukah Hey Tov Shin Gimel Shirim Chumish Mikayt Shani and Pinish Rashi Tilim Kuflamad Hey and now we read the entry there was a custom by the Rebbe the Tzemach Tzedek one of the nights of Hanukkah they made what was similar to a Fabrengin with a home with the people of the family the Rebbe's home while your boy Imgam Kalesa, he invited not only his sons and sons-in-law, but his daughters and daughters-in-law. The Nikra Latkis Ovnant, and it was called the evening of Latkis. They would serve Latkis and they would tell stories. The Chayn Hayyaytol Rabbeinu Azokin Bad Modern Tzai. The Alter Rebbe, the Middle Rebbe, the same custom where they would have what amounted to a Hanukkah party, and it was for the family, men and women. Amongst the stories that the Rabbi would relate during these, again, for lack of words, Hanukkah parties, there were such stories that every year on Hanukkah they would tell the same stories again and again. Though they already had the story told a year earlier, they would repeat it again. That's the first part of the entry. The second part of the entry, which is directly not connected, says, Amur, the Fidik Rebbe's father, the Rebbe Rashab, he would give Hanukkah gelt, the night when you light the fourth candle, or the fifth candle of Hanukkah. This is the whole entry, read and translated it. The, the Hanukkah gelt of the Rebbe Rashab, the Pashtas, is a separate idea. It's, it's two ideas that came together, that merged together into this Ayyem Yayim, but I don't know if they're necessarily directly connected, although they read like one continuum. But what it says here is that the Alter Rebbe, the Mitra Rebbe, and the Mahzadek made for their families what amounted to Hanukkah parties. Everybody came, the Rebbe with those stories. And the stories were not necessarily new stories. They frequently were the same stories over again. This little passage in Ayemya, which on the surface is very simple, says a very simple point, a very basic point, teaches us a lot of things. One of the things that it teaches us is the Indian of Ibn Hagi. We've spoken about this many times. They have a custom. The Rabbeim got together in Hanukkah and they made a party. Yeah? So, okay. <laughs> they, made, they got together and they had, again, for lack of words, we call it a Hanukkah party. By the Rabbeim, everything is, is because this is how it's supposed to be. Lamaylid's that way. But they would get together and have a family convening for the sake of bringing Hanukkah. They ate latkes and they told stories. Right? Where's the Abayus Hashem here? Where's the Getlachite? Where's the Mesidus Nefesh? Where's the going out of all limitations? Where's the scholarship? Where's the davening? It's not. It's getting together, eating latkes and telling stories. This is also Yiddishkeit. The value of Minagi Yisrael, the appreciation of the value of a Yiddish Aminik, and not necessarily things connected directly to davening and learning, but anything which has to do with Jewish tradition. I always tell you this story. I've told it to you many times. Because I think it's a useful story. Rabbi Fuchs, who lived me well, tells me stories from time to time. And one of the stories that he told me is as I said, I'm sure you all heard of the Majid Serebe. The Rebbe once told the story by. <laughs> 
the Rebbe, the Sikh of Kamar Abel Meshachta Rabzeire, we're going to put him. Was Tavshin Mendalid, I think. From now, it's 21 years ago this year. Put him was Thursday. Shabringa was Shabbos. When the Rebbe said the Sikh of Kamar Abel Meshachta, it took an hour. An hour. An hour is a very long Sikh. You can hear a pin drop the sunset. The attention that we gave the Rebbe then, I, I, I never experienced. People were. The Rebbe said the Sikh, he presented it so good. The place was mamish. It was so quiet in 770. They never said that sicha because everybody understood. It was so it was presented so well. The Hanochas wrote up a transcript of the sicha. They sent it into the Rebbe. The Rebbe edited it and he wrote very very well organized. Um, <laughs> but the organization wasn't Hanochas Balak. It was the Rebbe's organization. The sicha was presented so easy. They would get do no work. Just write it down. That's all. It was it was like a sicha from Tavshin Yud. You know, it was so clear, so straight. It was exceptional. But in the middle of the Sikha, the Rebbe told the story about the Majitzer, how he sang a niggin for needed surgery. So the Rebbe stops and he smiles. But he tells the Amaisa from Apele Shekut Yid and Chafan Zachal of Ufushlov. He said, he tells the story from Apele Shekut Yid, everybody wakes up from their slumber. So the Rebbe laughs. But, anyways, the Majitzer Abayim were into Nigin. They sang a lot. They said that they composed thousands of Nagunim. I mean, thousands of Nagunim. Thousands of Nagunim, the greatest composers in history, don't compose thousands of songs. It's, 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 it's Getler. And he was a big god. The Majitzer was a god not him. was a big scholar. And Melech was a Pasha Tahid. So, okay, he's singing songs. But the man was a, was a master of Torah and he's wasting his time singing his songs. So, uh, some Litvisher, some Misnagid, once told him, what are you wasting your time singing songs? Learn Tehidah. Say, Chedusha Tehidah. Right, Shiyurim. So, he told him like this. It says, Habecha Batera. It says, Habecha Bashir Zimra. It says, Abecha Batayri has chosen the Teda, and he has chosen songs of praise. It's the same chooser, the same Abecha. Pirush, in case you don't understand. If a person learns Teda because of their ego, if a person learns Teda because it makes them feel important, certainly wasting your time singing songs is a wasting time. But if a person learns Teda because of Abecha Batayri, because the Teda is Abishtas, and Abishta chose the Teda, the same maybe they chose Tater, chose Shir Zimna. And just like you have to be learn Tater, because of Tater, you have to do Shir Zimna because of Abecha Shir Zimna. Yiddishkeit encompasses everything, as we all know. And in each aspect in the world, there's the Habecha, the way David chooses that it should be. <laughs> I think you should turn that over, yeah? I'm sorry. Um, and, they, and part of this is the koch of Yidin Bechlau, Chesidim Bifrat, and Yidin Minhag Yisrael. Minhagim, Jewish customs. Jewish customs are Jewish customs. The traditions, nobody knows necessarily where they started. Not necessarily written in the Gemara. And they're not about scholarship. But our mini Yisrael Teide, he always says. The Gemara says this. A Jewish custom is a Teide, it's a Din, it's a Halach, it's Yiddishkeit. And the Rabbeim, quote, wasted their times. The Rabbeim had better things to do than eat latkes and tell stories. And the Rabbeim sat around with their family. Not just with their sons and successors, but with the family. Sons and daughters, daughters-in-law, children, grandchildren. It's a mini Yisrael, it's a significant Indian. And it brings out the Maila Pashat. The value, the preciousness of a minig. In other words, 
language, you do things for many reasons. And the first reason you do it is because it's getlach, it's holy, it's significant, and it's important. And there was this minig of getting together uh, on Hanukkah. And more specifically, the Rebbe calls it it was not a Fabrengen. It was similar to a Fabrengen. The idea of a Fabrengen has many purposes, as we all know. The first purpose of a Fabrengen is getting together. The purpose to get together for a Fabrengen is to get together. Everything else is gravy. The acts mean the Jewish people get together. Besides for the Ruchniyazdik effects, the Abbasi so alone, the fact that people sit together and they love one another and they express positive energies toward one another is very significant. It's a Vodis Hashem and it has long-term effects. It's very real. It's not some as a little tail, it's not wasting time. In addition to the energy, when people get together and they talk, they talk about things of meaning and substance and worth, it's of great significance. And finally, and this is very, very important, the union of Sipurei Tzadikim. The union of telling stories. That the Rebbein would get together, Hanukkah, and tell stories. And there are two parts to this. The first part of it is they got together and tell stories. And the second part of it is they told the same stories over and over again and didn't get bored. The audience may have gotten bored, but the Rebbein would tell over the Zelda Mises. Every Hanukkah they repeated the same stories. Not all the stories were repeated, but there were stories that every year when they had Latkes of the family would get together, they knew already they're going to hear this mice or that mice of this. They heard it last year and two years they're going to hear it again. Huh? No, it doesn't say. I can make it up if you like, but you can make it up also. <laughs> Once we're in the realm of embellishing, we're all equal. Um, doesn't say. Yeah. So first of all, the infancy put it in telling stories. Of one of the Rabbeim, and I don't remember it precisely, but there's a Taylor, there's a Sipur, there's a Nigan. The, the, a Sipur from a Tzaddik, in a significant way, has a more deep effect than even a Taylor from a Tzaddik. A story, a living story from a, a living Yid, is more significant than a Taylor. Right? The Gemara says that Allah is that we know that Taylor's Buffet is Allah's dinim, rules. Right? How do we know? How do we know how to do things? How do we know how to paskin? What do you mean? You look in the Gemara. Hill and Shammai argue. Rav and Shmuel argue. Ravina and Navashi argue. And they argue and they come to consensus. Nothing we follow. But we also have in the Gemara stories. Stories that this rabbi did like this and this rabbi did like that and so on. In the history of Halacha, we have the same thing. The Rishonim, the great sages, the Rambam and the Ramban and all the rest of Gilius, Gilius, Rabbi, Paskin, based their halachas on the shas on the Gemara the Gemara is full of debates and discussions and they pass in who you hold like but a little bit later on the Talmidim of Marami Rutenburg the great Marami Rutenburg in the Mordechai they also wrote Sfarim of Halacha Marami Rutenburg was the father-in-law and teacher of the great Rosh the Rosh who was the father of the the, the, the who wrote the first Shulchan Aruch um, they wrote on Dinim but they didn't write Dinim based on the discourse and the debate they wrote down my Rebbe did such my Rebbe Maril has a whole segment Hagi Maril he wrote down what he saw by his Rebbe and the, the later the Shainim would write down not opinions based on interpretations of the Shas but Min Hagim how people behave and frequently the Minig my Sabapeo was different than you would have think should have been extracted from the Gemara and the Gemara says Maiserav Maiserav 
means, there's a series of tapes called Maiserav, but the technical translation of the words Maiserav is that you have a discussion in the Gemara about Allah. But then you know a story about a God will be soul who behaved practically a particular way. You do like the story. Notwithstanding the Allah dialogue, Maiserav, if you have an event of some great side that God will be soul did a certain thing, that's Kevea, that becomes Allah. The value of telling stories, the stories of Tzadikim, by by Chassidim Bechlal and the is more by Polisha than by Chabad Chassidim in the olden times um, storytelling was the essence of Chassidus storytelling was the essence of Chassidus for many many reasons first of all it's good to mention the names of Tzadikim it's good to mention the names of Tzadikim the Allah was the Rebbe spoke about it Rosh Hashanah many times the Allah was that every morning they had to shecht the God told me they had to shecht the, the, the morning cotton. When did they shecht it? When, did, when was the morning star? Before, before the sun came up. But there, there, there was enough light to be able to see. So the Allah what you didn't shecht when the morning star came up over Yerushalayim. You shechted when the morning star came up over Hebron. Now, I've never been to Israel, but I'm assuming that Hebron is a little bit west of Yerushalayim. So in other words, after it was light in Yerushalayim, they waited a few minutes, and they knew that that light, which had reached Yerushalayim, also reached Hebron. And then they would announce, The eastern sky has light. The sun is coming from east to west. That means it's coming from China, if you know what I'm talking about. And it's going westward. Until Hebron. So the Chazal say, why did they say, Because they wanted to mention the others. So the Rebbe spoke many times. Rosh Hashanah, he would tell stories. And the reason I'm telling the stories, because in this story, he was the middle of the Rebbe, and Semach Tzedek, and the Rebbe, to mention the Rebbe. So it's a good thing to mention the Tzadikim, the Nesir Yisrael, for no reason not to mention the names. In addition, Sipurim stories, I have a tremendous Esaitidus, inspiration. Above all else, for Yalim of Amun Yiddishkeit is, in its essence, a matter of faith, Amun and Betachim. And it's a Dukim, the story of Tzadikim, and their Amun, and their Betachim, and their Shlita, their control over the Dark Yateva, inspires in people like us uh, a warmth and a strength in our own Betachim and our own Amun, which is why by Hasidim storytelling was so important. And the purpose of telling stories was talking to inspire Amun and Betachim. But understandably, this goes without saying, you tell true stories. You tell true stories. And the Rabbeim, you should know, had, the Fidik Rebbe has in the series rules about storytelling. And the first thing is, you don't embellish a story. Our story is told exactly. He writes, the Fidik Rebbe writes, that the best Chassidish story tells, his uncle, the Razor, when he would tell a story, would describe not just the story, but from whom he heard it, and what was the circumstance, and who else was sitting at the table at the time he told the story. And when he would tell the story, the story would come to life. The Fidik Rebbe said about his father also, the Rebbe Rashad, his imagination was so real that when he would describe something that happened 40 years before, 50 years before you could touch it and feel it and see it like as if it was happening before your eyes so the union of Sipurim of Sadiqim 
the, the, the very mention of Tzadikim, and then of course the Amun Ebetachan that it gives is why by Echsidim and Bechlaba Yidim, but especially Echsidim, is a Kachan Tzipurim and telling stories of Tzadikim. It's not a waste of time. It's not, you know, people nothing better to do. It, it's, it's, the Varimkai, the warmth, the joy of Yiddishkeit is rooted amongst other things in the Tzipurim of Tzadikim. And finally, I'll get to your question in a moment, the idea of repeating the same stories. What's the point of repeating the same stories over and over and over again? And of course the answer is you're not telling the story to collect news. You're telling the story to live again. You know, uh, some people can't hear the same thing twice because they're collecting information. The cloud if you're a living Jew, if we are living, if we're real people, we don't do what we do for the, for the acquisition of knowledge. Even a person learns Tehidah, he's not learning Tehidah to know more. He learns Tehidah to serve Tehidah. When you tell stories, you're not telling the stories because you want to know the stories and you can put them in history books and say, I know a lot of stories. You're telling stories because of the message of the stories. And when you tell the story because of the message of the story, you don't get tired. You get tired of the story if the purpose of the story is to tell it. But if the purpose of the story is to live the story and to relive the story and to feel the message of the story, you can tell the same story a hundred times and every time you tell the story, the story has a new warmth, a new glow, a new light, a new joy. This is what the Rebbe says here. That the Tzemach Tzedek used to make, a, the Rebbe and the Alta Rebbe, the middle of the Tzemach Tzedek made a latkes oven, an evening where everyone would get together and they would serve latkes and they would tell stories. And the last line is about he would give Hanukkah the fourth, the fifth night of Hanukkah, which means two things. A, he gave Hanukkah, and B, he gave Hanukkah once on Hanukkah. Now, I must tell you that we've talked about Hanukkah over the years when I was more prepared, but Hanukkah is a weird thing. Where does Hanukkah come from? Where does the concept of Hanukkah originate? Where does it start? It doesn't say Shacham Narach to give Hanukkah Gelt. <laughs> the idea of giving Hanukkah Gelt, which is a mini Yisrael, is an obscurity. It's weird. Nobody knows the real origin of Hanukkah Gelt. And to be sure, that's what makes it a real... The, the, the element of Minik is very strong in Hanukkah Gelt because it's obviously a relatively recent tradition. It was an ancient tradition. The Gemara would talk about it, or at least the Paschim, the Shacham Narach would talk about it. The fact that there's no record of it shows that it's one of those things that's part of Yiddish life, to give Hanukkah guilt. And there are many, many commentaries as far as what Hanukkah guilt are, what's the idea of Hanukkah guilt. The bottom line is that it's Aminah to give Hanukkah guilt. And you should know that here it says that Rebbe Rashab give Hanukkah the fourth, the fifth light of Hanukkah. The Rebbe wants us to give Hanukkah guilt every single day. And I heard a story which I was never able to substantiate. But I heard a story about a person who had a child that was Nishgizud, not well, and the Rebbe asked, the parents were under the Rebbe, if they gave the child Hanukkah guilt. And he said, yeah. Did you give child every day? And he said, yeah. Every day. Did you increase from day to day? And they said, yes. I said, no, have a foolish lame. That's what I heard. I heard this story years ago. I don't want to mess anybody's bank accounts. But it's a very interesting story. Some people give the same amount every day, but the Rebbe is very into Hanukkah guilt. And we should give Hanukkah guilt even every day. And the fate is you're not giving. You remember the Sikh has ever spoke to the children, you're not giving them money to put in the pushkin. You're giving them money to put in the pocket to do with it what they want. And as the Rebbe says, they'll have their own wisdom to give at least a portion of it to the 
but it's, it's spending money. It's you're giving children and adults money for themselves in Hanukkah. So the Rebbe wants us to give Hanukkah guilt every day. What is what is that be of Hanukkah guilt? And I, I believe there's from the Rebbe's father something on this, but I, I didn't look it up this morning. I don't remember it. But the idea that I've heard explained, and it makes some sense, is the following. There's nothing in the world lower than guilt. There's nothing more ungodly than money, right? It says in the Sikhs, Gelt is begimatri blot. It happens to work. It works also. Blot, which means mud. <laughs> It's the same as gelt. And mud, by the way, is dirty water. Um, there's nothing more lowly than money. Why? Money is... And I remember the Rebbe once screamed by Fabri Engin about a certain issue. Gelt in America is Egel Azov. I mean, I remember how the Rebbe said it. Gelt in America is Egel Azov. Gold money in America is the golden calf. It's not... I'm, in America is Egel Azov. But money is a very, very important thing. I mean, the life revolves. The Rebbe says, I'll show you the name and I'll gelt, I'll gelt, I'll gelt. You never heard that shot. There's a different gifts in the mission of Big Yes. Um, the world revolves around money, but money is a symbol, right? Money isn't even the value. Money represents what? Represents work, or represents commodity, represents material. Money has no value. The money represents that somebody worked. The money represents that there's something of value. The money itself is only a muscle for for working, for earning, for for resources, for materials, for a commodity. The money itself is is the lavush, is the garment of what the money represented. In other words, in the ancient times, people didn't have money. They bartered, they traded. I had a sheep and you had chickens. I want the chickens, you want the sheep, so we traded. The idea of I have a sheep, so you give me money for it, and I have chickens, and I, you have chickens, and I give you money for it, is an invention that has to do with convenience and with the, you know, the expansion of society and so on and so forth. The money is representative of something. It's the epitome of loneliness. On the other hand, Al-Tarebbe brings in Tanya, that the money that a person earned, the money we have comes from our very essence. People were Mesa Nefesh, people gave their lives to earn their money. And even if they didn't give their lives to earn their money, they can purchase things of livelihood, things of necessity with their money. So money is a very Chinese thing, but represents something very, very deep in people. The whole idea of Hanukkah is Mesiris Nefesh. The highest kind of Mesiris Nefesh. Because Hanukkah is the highest kind of Mesiris Why is Hanukkah? Let's put it that way. Why is Hanukkah the highest kind of Mesiris Nefesh? It's the highest kind of Mesiris Nefesh because it was a reaction to the deepest test. Right? The obstacle Yidin had during Hanukkah was the most severe obstacle, which happens to be which we haven't read yet. The, the, the obstacle of Hanukkah, the, the opposition of Hanukkah, was an opposition to the very essence of Yiddishkeit, to the Kedusha, to the Tarot, the holiness of Yiddishkeit. The only way to counteract, the only way to fight off, the only way to overcome, the only way to defeat the Tumah that, that was brought into the world and challenged Yiddishkeit at the time of Hanukkah was the highest kind of Mesiris Nefesh. Right? The Greeks put the in a place where they had to go out of all limitations. So 
us. Hiddish teaches us that because of the Greeks, because the Greeks, so to speak, forced the Jewish people to go out of all limitations, the godliness brought into the world by Hanukkah is the most extreme. Where do you see the extreme aspect of godliness in Hanukkah? Where do you see in Hanukkah, in Hanukkah the idea that it's, it's godliness to its extreme? It's the only mitzvah that's done in the street. Mamish in the street. You do it in your doorway, but you do it in your doorway facing the street. Your mezuzah is also in the doorway. But the mezuzah is in the doorway to protect the house. Hanukkah looked us in the street to light up the night. Pesumenis. And then, as we discussed last year in the Maimir, the menayin in the base Hamikdash was lighted inside and during the day. Hanukkah looked us in the street and at night. Why? Because if you would take the menayin of the base Hamikdash, put it in the street, the street would contaminate the menayin of the base Hamikdash. Hanukkah is an expression of such a form of Messina's nefesh that the darkness and the night and the street not only don't they offset, take away from the Kayach of the Hanukkah, the Hanukkah of the power to transform the deepest darkness and make it into Kedush. So I had once a shot that the symbol of this is that you give guilt. <laughs> not presents, not food, not Svarim, guilt. There's nothing lower in terms of connection to Ruchnius than money. Money is not even earning power. Money is a symbol of earning power. It's a mush, it's a lavush. It's the Dabar it's the most peripheral thing, and it is a getchkit, there's no question about it, people worship it. And to bring a Kedusha into guilt, this is Hanukkah. That even on something so external, so disconnected from any more meaningful use other than the power that it, it has, to bring Godliness into that is a, is a very, very great thing. This is the significance of giving Hanukkah guilt that you're bringing Getlachkai, you're bringing Godliness, even into something as lowly as mine. I heard once, this is the Pshat of giving Hanukkah guilt to Hanukkah, that the, 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 the power of the Hanukkah licht brings the Kedusha even into the guilt. This is what we give Hanukkah guilt. But whatever the case is, it's a mini so it's a Jewish custom, that a Hanukkah we give, we give Hanukkah guilt. So the Rebbe Rashab used to give the fourth night or the fifth night. Our custom as the Rebbe wants that we should give Hanukkah guilt every single night.